Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Going Up Cast, your weekly feel-good podcast, where this week we talk about my recent vacation to the great state of Texas, a brand new show on Disney Plus I absolutely loved, and a bunch of other things that I don't remember what I was talking about. This week's episode is a good one. Um, I went to the Texas Renaissance Fair, among other fun things, down in Houston. Um, I've never been to Texas before, so we're here all about that adventure here in a little, a little while. We pay homage to uh, one of my all-time favorite actors who unfortunately passed away. And actually, at the time of recording this, the news just dropped that Alex Trebek also passed away. Who's another really cool guy, and he will be he will be sorely missed. He was a smug bastard on Jeopardy, but damn if he didn't hang out for a long time, and it has been a part of my life for forever. I loved watching Jeopardy, so... Pay homage to two incredible people um, who have unfortunately passed away this this last week. Uh, what else? I talked about a Bruce Springsteen album that was really good. Um, and then there's three other segments just kind of thrown in here that I don't remember what those are. And I talk about Owl House. The Owl House. New animated show on Disney+. Plus, Absolutely phenomenal. Must check it out. Um, but yeah, just real quick here at the top of the episode. If you enjoy The Going Cast and would like to support The Going Cast, please go to patreon.com forward slash goingupcast. We can be a $5 patron and get access to the Pokemon Nuzlocke videos and um, monthly live streams that I will start doing again here pretty soon. Uh, that I've, I've been very lax about that. Life kind of got in the way and things kind of got away from me. Uh, but feel free to also follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at GoingUpCast. You can you can take a look at what the hell's going on and all of those things. We have new uh, daily episodes of or new chapters of um inheritance going up every day that's also just a ton of fun um we're getting very close to the end of the book and then we'll be moving on to something new um possibly before the year is over i'm not entirely sure how much inheritance is left but i think we'll probably be starting the new thing end of november beginning of december somewhere around there and um yeah things are Things are pretty good in my neck of the woods. Um, I'm wrapping Christmas presents, and I've got my Christmas decorations up. And everybody's like, that's too soon. Fuck you. I want to celebrate the goddamn holidays. I love Christmas. November and December of Christmas month. And then um, a little bit of January before I take my lights down. So, yeah. That's a that's where I'm at right now. Um, yeah. Let's get into the podcast. Alrighty, um, this one hit super hard. In case you didn't see it, um, we got the news a few days ago that Sher, Sher Sheldon Connery, uh, unfortunately passed away at the ripe old age of 90. He was in the Bahamas with friends and family when he finally passed. And if you are familiar with my work at all, you will know how much I love Sean Connery. I love his voice. I loved his movies. I thought he was the fucking coolest dude. James Bond, fucking Draco, in Dragonheart. I saw him in Finding Forrester. I saw him in Highlander. I saw him all over the place. And he was just so fucking cool. And I've used his voice um, to just like embody classic characters. Uh, in audiobooks and in like my D&D games Sean Connery was like one of the first voices I ever tried to work on I wouldn't say I'm very good at it but I always loved doing it and he was just so fucking cool and now he's dead and I'm I'm very sad about that I um I was I was very very sad uh when I first found out and um I just wanted to take a second to recognize how cool of a dude he was how awesome his voice was and uh i will continue to use my sean connery voice in um in every audiobook moving forward he will appear in all of them i'm gonna make that i'm gonna make that statement um unless i have already recorded it and he wasn't in there which i don't think is i mean i did like winnie the pooh that's not out yet um but I don't think he was in that one. Moving forward, he's going to be in all of them. Guaranteed. I'll make Stannis Baratheon Sean Connery or something like that. I don't know. Whenever I do Game of Thrones. Um, but I just wanted to take a second and recognize him. And Yeah. He was, he was awesome. We lost a great one with him. 
God damn it. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. This episode is, is super strange because it's being recorded uh, the day I got back, or the day after I got back from uh, from my recent vacation, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, so a lot of my little segments here are going to be fairly half-assed. Um, I've got a lot of shit to do in terms of getting caught up on like you know work and cleaning up. I've got like my second load of laundries going right now, you know that sort of stuff. And um, I wanted to real briefly talk about an album I experienced while I was away. It's uh, it's very recent. It's called Letters Letters to You, I believe is the name of the album by Bruce Springsteen, um, who is according to some random fun fact I saw on the interwebs, uh, the the first solo artist to get uh, five number one albums um, across five different decades. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, Letter to You by Springsteen. It is, it's got 12 songs, a bunch of them, like one, two, three, four of them are um, well over five and a half minutes long. So there's like, there's some really long, excellent songs in here, um, which I enjoyed because it gives you time to like, kind of settle into the song and really appreciate where it's going uh, musically um, and lyrically. I mean, Springsteen could fucking outright like anybody this dude knows knows how to write songs he always did you go back to like his very first album what's the first song on there it's blinded by the light lyrically that song is crazy there's so much in there it is it is dense this dude is fantastic and what blows my mind is not only are all of these songs lyrically impressive not only are they musically excellent, like some there are some gorgeous instrumentals in the song. The first title track, One Minute You're Here, it just, it's just Springsteen and his guitar, like slowly leading it in. And then other instruments are slowly added over time. Um, you get a little bit of piano, you get a little bit of drums. It like slowly comes in and builds. Um, and it's really, really entertaining. I, I particularly love the saxophone. I've always loved the saxophone. I'm a sucker for a good saxophone. Um, and Springsteen has always had some incredible saxophone in his music. Some incredible sax players. Clarence, just absolute god-tier saxophonist, uh, who unfortunately passed away several years ago. I'm not sure who's playing the saxophone now, um, but they're doing an excellent job, and I very much appreciate that. And there's a lot of saxophone spread out throughout this album. A lot of harmonica, which Springsteen was always really good at. It, it just, it feels like an, a really solid Springsteen album. And the dude can still sing. Like, he was he was singing notes and doing things uh, vocally that doesn't really line up with some of his more popular songs, um, in my opinion. I think he, he expresses a lot of range in this album, which is not something I ever would have said about Springsteen. You know, man, man, drama, someone in the teenage diplomat. That kind of like growl singing. Um, it's always just kind of in this in this same vein. Um, but he, 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 you know, he gets some upper register in there, and he definitely gets some lower register in there because that makes sense because he's 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 not getting up there, but he's been around for a while, and he's been killing it. He's been killing the game. Um, and it's funny to me that he's like, you know. The, the first solo act to get a number one album across five different decades. Springsteen is, would be nothing without the E Street backup band uh, of like, he's got a bunch of incredibly talented musicians backing his ass up and achieving these compositions. You know, it's unreal. I like, I was all set to declare like the prophecy, my album of the year. Um, because it's, it's a really, really good Ninja Sex Party album. It's probably their best one in my opinion. But in terms of like, you know, not comedy music, just, just solid, solid music. Letter to You is the best album I've heard so far this year. There's so much there. It's, it's just really good. So if you like Springsteen or classic rock or music with a lot of depth and meaning to it, Letter to you, Spruce Springsteen, is absolutely worth a listen. So I would check it out. Well, the next thing in the podcast.
So, this is the day after I got back from my recent trip to Texas. I was in Texas for five days uh, going to the Texas Renaissance Fair, which is the largest Renaissance Fair in the country. Um, but I just want to give you guys a, a, a you know, I'm going to tell a story of my trip. Because I did, I did a lot of interesting things. Um, at least things I think are interesting. So I wanted to talk about them a little bit. Um, let's see. Uh, I drove down Tuesday with my, my, my friends the night before the flight. Because uh, we were carpooling. And that just made a lot of sense. First flight was fine. Um, I think it was like a four-hour flight, roughly, to get to Houston. Uh, this, in my view, was the first time I'd ever been to Texas. Um, apparently I, I lived in Texas when I was incredibly young for a very short amount of time. Uh, I mean, we're talking like three months old for like less than a year. So I don't think that really counts. And I wasn't in Houston at that time. I think we were in Austin. I don't fucking know. Um, I'm sure I have a photo album somewhere that has all these great pictures of me in Texas, but I don't fucking, I don't remember. Anyway, uh, we, we get there, and um, day after the the journey, uh, one of my friends went to go see relatives. Um, we were staying with uh, relatives while we were there. Everybody I met was just super hospitable and very lovely. Um, the, the accents were utterly fantastic. Um, from, from somebody who, who tries to do different voices for audiobooks and stuff like that fairly often. Uh, it was it was a smorgasbord of of different accents, uh, like Texas twang and Louisiana, you know, um, uh, stylings. I don't know. Um, it was just it was very fun to uh, to listen to. And um, one of my big fears about going to Texas was that I would do uh, what is called code switching, where if you hear somebody uh, with an accent, um, you may attempt to emulate their accent in order to like increase familiarity um usually it's a subconscious thing that you don't realize what you're doing um but my big fear was that i was going to try to crack out like a really bad southern accent and while i don't think i adopted a southern accent um i i definitely uh got into a, a, a space where everything was a lot kind of more relaxed in terms of delivery than my usual fairly rapid uh, mannerisms. So that was something I noticed that I thought was a bit curious because everybody was was very kind of lackadaisical about information delivery and statements. So I emulated the the methodology of speech rather than the necessarily like um, twang or something like that that kind of accompanied those words. But everybody there I met or interacted with was just absolutely lovely. Uh, and the first day, while my friend was off visiting relatives, we, uh, meaning the, the rest of the party, basically, um, went to the Houston Natural History Museum, which was a five-story construct with about two interesting floors. Uh, the dinosaur exhibit with the fossils was phenomenal. Um, some truly impressive full specimens of, like, you know, T-Rex and... Uh, fucking Triceratops and all those classic big guys. That was amazing. And there was also a, uh, a fairly interesting exhibit about energy, like renewable and oil, that kind of stuff. Uh, there was an Egypt exhibit, which was pretty cool. It had mummies and stuff like that. There was an exhibit on the, the native peoples of the Americas and kind of their artifacts and um, things that they would practice and believe in and stuff like that. That was pretty neat. There was the, the largest collection of seashells, which is about as interesting as you imagine. There was a whole hall of gems that was really cool, like gemstones, both in like the raw and the cut variety. It was super cool. We spent like three hours there, um, just like walking around. And then we went to lunch at the a place called the Hobbit Cafe, which is right in that area. And uh, this place has been in existence since 1972 so this is like pre-movie lord of the rings even pre-animated lord of the rings these these guys were inspired by the 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 books to make this thing originally 
now it's it's much more uh movie themed like they have like statues and stuff and um so on but like all the food things were called like i had like the super smog sandwich you know and stuff like that very tasty um they had a lot of mead i think their the booze page was like six or a booze menu was six pages long it was a a wonderful stop so if you're ever in the area i'd highly recommend that i think that was a that was a worthwhile excursion and after that we went shoe shopping i needed sneakers so we got some sneakers and we called it a day there uh met some more people that night uh the next day was ren fair day so we all got up eventually and uh we hit the road texas renaissance fair is enormous um it's basically a small town of permanent structures which is uh a nice change of pace from the washington renaissance fair which is a series of tents uh and a couple permanent structures but not too many um but i love the texas or the washington renaissance fair and the texas Ren fair was something i very much enjoyed my time at uh that's the best way i could phrase it because i got pretty sloshed pretty quickly um after drinking an entire bottle of mead by myself um and then following that up with a yard of strawberry margarita which was a dangerous drink because you couldn't taste the alcohol in it to the point where i was at one point convinced there wasn't any alcohol in it and then i was done with my drink and then all of a sudden i was kind of fading in and out of consciousness not really um i did not vomit nor did i pass out but it was definitely one of those things where like i was very much living in the moment because i would forget what just happened and i wouldn't you know like i was like i was aware of what was happening right in that minute and that was it um and at one point i got a little uh i had, I had to lie down for a little bit um but it was it was a bunch of fun i hope the others had fun i had a blast i thought it was great but then again i was drunk so perhaps i'm not the uh the best person to to talk about that um i i i came away with a couple of items i got like this kind of cloth satchel because i got tired of carrying things i bought uh, a large ceramic mug where the handle is a straw i thought that was cool as hell um i need to clean that and then i also bought a a tiny wooden barrel uh that you can age spirits in and because it's small um you can age spirits like super fucking quickly in that thing um i mean instead of it taking years it takes like weeks you know that kind of it definitely decreases it so uh, right now it's priming where i've filled it with water so the wood can absorb the water um and i can put whiskey in there without it getting absorbed into the wood or something i'm not really familiar with barrels um but it's doing that for like a week and then i'm gonna drain whatever water is left and um put some fucking whiskey in there and then i think i'm gonna leave it in there for a couple of months um taking tastes every now and then to see like how it's coming along um and then we'll do a side-by-side -side taste comparison test uh around december for the holidays and see if it made a difference but it's a it's a wonderful little piece um and it's wood burned designed with uh the veg vizier veg vizier uh nordic rune um v-e-g-i-s-i-r vegvisir i think there's another v in there um but it's a stave that basically means like safe passage through stormy weather um I, it's a design that i will eventually get tattooed on my chest um because i fucking love it and i love the meaning behind it so i got that on a barrel and uh i think that was it i think i got a dvd at some point but like i went down a big slide that was a lot of fun uh, we went into a bunch of shops. I got a lot of great pictures with cosplay. It was like Halloween. That day was 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 actually Halloween day. So everybody's dressed up. Like you saw SpongeBob and Patrick. I saw two different people dressed up like Pyramid Head from Silent Hill. I got a picture of the Mandalorian. I got a picture of the Warhammer 40k orc. It was it was awesome. Such a great day. And it was a big group of us, like at least ten, I think. Um, if I if I if I think about it, and we're all just like paddling around, and a lot of us were drinking um to the point where like a couple of us were sober and then there's like four or five of us that are all just like giggling over on the side just like having a blast and there were fireworks it was so much fun absolute blast i would highly recommend it um to to go on a uh to the texas renaissance fair day after that we just kind of hung out um we were all pretty tired from from the ren fair so we didn't do much that was that would have been sunday what did we do on Sunday? Oh, we went to Top Golf. Went to Top Golf on Sunday. That was the first time I ever went top to Top Golf, and it was the first time I ever hit a golf ball with a club that wasn't a putter. Um, you know, I'm a big mini golf fan, but 
It was the first time I ever held, like, a driver, you know, and actually had to hit the ball off a tee. That was totally new to me. Um, but I did okay. What I thought was curious and what nobody could help me fix was pretty much no matter what I did, that ball would shank to the right every single time. Like, not all the time, but more often than was logical. Like, I, I was readjusting. I was trying different clubs. I was turning my body in different ways. I was messing with my feet placement. Nothing worked. It always shanked to the right, like, every time. And I'm fucking hitting the hell out of these things. Um, and I lost the game because the whole point is you're supposed to get the balls in, like, these hoops, basically. Um, and I just kept trying to hit that ball as hard as I could to see how far I could get it. Um, which was a ton of fun. But I just keep shanking, shanking to the right and couldn't figure it out. Um, and so I wanted to go golfing, like, for real. Um, I might steal my brother's clubs or something. Um, or go with them, I guess, would make more sense. And, uh, fucking figure it out, because... It's confusing me, and I don't understand it. But then again, I also have never golfed before, so it could have had something to do with that as well. Oh, we also did archery at the Ren Fair, and that was a ton of fun. Um, and that was probably right as I started to get really tipsy, um, was, was doing archery. And uh, I did okay. I popped a balloon, so I thought that was cool. Um, yeah, we did top golf, and then the following day... Would have been Monday. Oh, that was flight day. Um, that was yesterday. So, yeah, um, didn't do much, like, that day. We went to a place called Torchies, which had wonderful tacos. Uh, hung out with a bit more, uh, family and friends. Said our goodbyes. Uh, went to the airport. Went through TSA faster than I've ever gone through TSA. There was absolutely no line. We were the only ones going through TSA. Um, it made me miss the line because, like, I'm panicking, trying to get, like, my boarding pass stuff all set to go. And you're standing there trying to get your stuff through the conveyor belt and TSA's... Like, they're still kind of pressuring you to be like, put your shoes in the bin. Um, and, like, you're the only ones there. So you're like, oh, God, I'm sorry. I got to their boots. I got to delace them. Um, but we, we ended up going through, and we found this place that you could play games and stuff while you ordered food and drank. And then we were on the flight, and that was fine. And then I dropped my friends off um, at home. And then I came back to my place and pretty much instantly took a shower and crashed. And uh, now it's the next day, and I'm doing shit like laundry and um figuring food out um and all that kind of stuff and for the for the safety of everybody i care about um i'm i'm self-quarantining for two weeks uh just in case i feel perfectly fine but i would be a fool to to presume i'm i'm okay uh especially because symptoms can take a while to show up and i interacted with unfortunately a lot of maskless individuals especially at the rent fair um, it was, uh, it was not very well enforced at the Renfair, I will say that. So if you want to go to the Renfair, you may want to wait, uh, to next year to where hopefully, um, we either have a vaccine or something, I don't know. Um, I feel physically fine, but I, I want to play it safe, because that is the, the wise thing to do. Talking to, like, a lot of people, um, at work about, you know, balancing shit and meetings and whatnot. But yeah, the, the, the adventure was, was a lot of fun. And um, I, I very much look forward to my return to, to Texas um, at some point because I'm sure I will go back. Uh, it was just it was just a blast. And the people there were very nice and the food was wonderful. We went to this one restaurant um, the first night we got there called Taste of Texas, which was this big steakhouse, big fucking steakhouse. Uh, one of those places where they would have allowed you to to choose your steak if you were if you were so inclined. Um, I got I ended up getting 10 ounces of the prime rib which was delicious. And it didn't occur to me until after it arrived on my plate and I looked at it and I went, oh, it's just thick cut roast beef. It's just like an inch of roast beef. This is where roast beef comes from. It's from prime rib. It's so fucking good. Um, after a little while, the meat kind of dried out. So I just stuffed it in the au jus and just let it soak there for a while and took a bite. Oh my God. Fucking delicious. I don't eat red meat all that often anymore. But when I do have it, is fucking good. So tasty. And they had that place decked out to the nines for Christmas. Like fucking tiny trees and garlands and lights and everybody's wearing red sweaters and it was fucking magical. I loved it. It was it was excellent. Um, and that reminds me that I need to start decorating my place for the holidays. Now that Halloween is over, I can start celebrating Christmas and people won't look at me like I'm crazy. So, yes, it was a phenomenal trip. 
I'm still very much exhausted. Um, like I said, I feel physically fine, but I want to want to play it safe. So staying home. Um, I've recruited uh, my uh, my my folks' help in uh, obtaining sustenance because I did not buy groceries in anticipation of the trip. And now that I'm self quarantining, it would be irresponsible of me to go out and buy groceries and put strangers at risk. Um, as much as I don't want my friends and family to get sick, I don't want anyone to get sick if I am sick. I, I will not be patient zero. So I'm, I'm playing it as smart as I possibly can in, in how I'm, I'm getting things done. So better safe than sorry. Um, and it's not like I don't have things to keep me entertained at home. I've got books to read. I got games to play. Fucking HBO just dropped a bunch of shit I'm real excited about. So yeah, we got, we got tons to keep us entertained. Uh, and speaking of entertainment, let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Here's a show I've never talked about on the podcast because it hasn't really been important in the world um, to, to have to be worth mentioning, really. Um, but now it is on HBO Max and including the brand new, well, not brand new, brand new to me, season three of, uh, of HBO Max. Um, and that show is called Young Justice. If you were a fan of the original Teen Titans show on Cartoon Network, uh, the animated Teen Titans show, also the live-action Titans show is on HBO Max as well, but I haven't seen that, so I don't want to talk about it. Um, you will like Young Justice. Young Justice was a show that came out in 2010 with its first season, so it's 10 years old. And to me, that first season is, is one of my favorite seasons of TV. The the camaraderie these these teens have in making their team the the like villains they go up against it's excellent dc uh television which was hold on after sneeze <coughs> ow fucking shit anyway it was uh unfortunately compounded by the fact that the second season uh was was not as good in my opinion at least um, as the first season was. Uh, Artemis, in the first season of the show, is still, like, one of my all-time favorite animated characters. She's phenomenal. I'm, I'm a really big fan of, of the characters and the struggles they go through. It's a really nice blend of being a superhero and dealing with superhero problems and being a teenager and dealing with teenage problems. It's really well animated. The The stories are really solid. It's, it's all very well done if you if you like teen titan stuff and you have hbo max i would highly recommend watching young justice and i would recommend watching season two um it's not as good but season two will be made infinitely better by the fact that you don't have to wait for the episodes to drop season two when it originally aired was really bizarre because season one took fucking forever to be released like it was released over like the course of almost two years like there are massive hiatus like periods in between and then season two dropped like season one ended season two started the next week there was a week in between and there's a five-year jump between the events of season one and the events of season two so it's really jarring and shattering and it really was super distasteful because the 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 beauty of season one is that there's a core group of characters and they all go through these adventures and they all grow and learn a lot and that's really awesome and then season two introduces like fucking 14 brand new characters all of whom are like somewhat important to the plot of season two just kind of out of nowhere and it's really disjointed and you're sitting there being like what the fuck happened to like the core dynamic of the first season it's just gone however by the end of season two you do reclaim the magic of season one so it gets there and then of course when this originally happened right as they recaptured the magic of season one show got canceled and we're all like well what the fuck and it was over and the fan base came back and was like no we want more and they made more and they made a season three which i have not seen yet which i'm going to um but i'm actually probably going to rewatch the first two seasons because it's been a really long time since i've gone down that that ride and i really want to see it um and season four is already being made so in case you're wondering like maybe they'll just make season three and then that's it there's, there's more episodes to come, and it's all going to drop on HBO Max. I'm a little hesitant to talk about things on HBO Max, to be perfectly honest with you guys, because I know not everybody has it, because it's a, it's an expensive streaming um, service, and if it wasn't for like the generosity of my parents, I wouldn't even have access to it. 
Um, but if you do have HBO Max, then that is something to wor- uh, to check out for sure if you have not seen Young Justice. I put it right up there next to like Avatar. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful show. It really is. I love it a lot. Um, I love it so much I have like the comics of it. I bought the fucking video game of it. And that video game sucks. Don't get it. Just watch the show. It's really good. Moving on to the next thing in the podcast. Season 2 of The Mandalorian is out. Kind of. They dropped the first one. It's pretty good. I liked it a lot. Um, I'm a big fan of The Mandalorian. Season 1, or Season 2, has has begun. We're getting weekly episodes. So, you know, this it's going to be going to be an ongoing thing for a while now. Um, and I, you know, I don't really want to get into spoilers about it. So this segment of the podcast is going to be real short. I liked it a lot. Um, I'd recommend it. If you liked the first season of The Mandalorian, hey, guess what? Second season's pretty good too. It's off to a good start. Um, I, I think they, I think they have a lot of story to tell and not a lot of time. Um, because you know, there's only like eight episodes. Sorry, I'm burping. I just drank tea. I don't know why I do this to myself. So could be really good. Could be really bad, but I think it's going to be really good. Um, as long as they can tell the story they're attempting to tell. If they can, if they can get it done, if they can, you know, get all their, all their ducks in a row, I think, I think they'll be able to land it. And I, I, they do have a pretty good track record of, of making good stuff for the Mandalorian. And I think they, they can pull it off. But some of those episodes are going to be pretty dense in terms of story from, from what I can tell. There's a lot of plot threads. That they're going to be exploring. Um, I don't think it'd be spoilers to quickly talk about that. Uh, so the the Mandalorian is trying to bring Baby Yoda back to Baby Yoda's people. Um, so in in order to accomplish that, he is looking for other Mandalorians to help kind of drive his journey. And so that's like the main driving point of the show. And then you've got um, things like with the Mandalorians where they're at. And then, of course, you've got, like, what's-his-face um, Juan Carlos Esposito from the first season with his with his laser sword. He didn't show up in this episode, but there's a lot of plot going on. And, like, if you've been paying attention to, like, who they've cast and as what, you'll know, like, characters are around that are really interesting. Like, how Boba Fett is in this season of The Mandalorian. And um, I'm relatively confident that this season, I think The Mandalorian takes place after... Um, episode 6. Let me just confirm this. When does the Mandalorian take place? Uh, the Mandalorian takes place five years after the events of Return of the Jedi. Um, okay. Yeah, so, last time we saw Boba Fett, canonically, motherfucker was eaten by a Sarlacc. And yet he's in the show. He actually shows up in in episode 1. Spoilers. Um, and I'm sitting there being like, how the fuck... Did he get out of the Sarlacc pit? That's my memory, at least, is he got eaten by the Sarlacc. I could be wrong. I don't know. But yes, um, it's really good. And I'm, I'm excited to watch more of it. And I just wanted to recommend it. Because, obviously, if you if you watch the first season, you're going to like this one. Go watch The Mandalorian. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. as a precaution from my my recent excursion out into the wilds of Texas um, I have begun the um, the the self-quarantining process and after like a day of doing it it drove me insane so um, I went out and got a test for the for the ever dreaded um, COVID and uh, fortunately I was able to get an appointment and I Filled all the stuff out, and they stand in front of me with that giant Q-tip. And uh, she's like, it's going to have to go in both nostrils for about five seconds. And I was like, okay, um, have at it. And I'm like, how bad could it possibly be? Oh, boy. Um, it fucking sucked. It goes way the fuck back there. Like, way further than I thought it was going to. Way further than I thought it was possible for it to go. And, um, I would have been fine if she just, like, stuck it in. But then she started, like, spinning it. And, like, the tickling sensation was unbelievably uncomfortable. It was crazy. And then 
She pulls it out and sticks the exact same swab in the other nose. I I may have done a little bit of a, a little bit of a of a mm, had a had a bit of a reaction to that, like tears streaming. Just oh, I was uncomfortable. Oh, it wasn't great. And right now I'm currently waiting for my my results. Outside of like muscle fatigue, which I'm not really sure what that's all about. I don't. I think it's because I haven't like slept properly um, in like a week. Um, in terms of like positioning. I've been getting enough sleep, but I'm not sleeping in the right position. My spine's all fucked up. Um, and I haven't worked out in a while, so I think that's kind of what that's all about. But it's like, oh, I need a stretch. Oh, stretching feels good. So, yeah, I'm waiting for the results right now. I've got this handy-dandy little, like, web portal uh, where I enter in a, a code. And then it'll tell me my results. I'm still awaiting results. According to this, it can take anywhere for up to three days before results which I guess is fine you know I feel fine I don't have a fever I have a I have a brand new thermometer I was able to get a hold of um and I've been checking because I didn't have a thermometer up until up until now and I know one of the one of the big symptoms is a fever so I'm keeping an eye on that but so far I'm good and uh yeah I just wanted to talk about that because getting that fucking test sucked super bad um, however, it's still preferable to COVID, I'm assuming. I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll find out, but oh boy, what an experience that was. Brand new show on Dibney Plus. The Owl House is a show that dropped, um, a little while ago in terms of, like, existence. Um, the first season came out earlier this year, January, and aired on, um, I'm pretty sure, the Disney Channel. Um, and now it is on Disney Plus, all 19 episodes of season one. And it is really, really good. It's um, about this uh, child named Luz, who is a 14-year-old Dominican-American girl uh, who ends up f- going to this place called the Boiling Isles, um, kind of by accident, meeting uh, a witch uh, by the name of Ida, who is also known as the Owl Lady. Um, who uh, begins teaching her magic, and she goes on a bunch of kind of wacky adventures, and they're accompanied by their uh, adorable small wolf-like demon with a skull-like head, uh, according to Wikipedia, named King, who's voiced by Alex Hirsch, the creator of Gravity Falls. Um, and fucking uh, King is just goddamn adorable. The show reminds me a lot of um, Disenchantment. You got the trio characters, uh, you got the little demon guy. It, it, it has very, very strong similarities to Disenchantment. I like it a lot better than Disenchantment, though. Not that I dislike Disenchantment, but Disenchantment takes a while to really kind of get going, and even once it gets going, it like, it really takes its time, and is a, is a, is a kind of an interesting show tonally, um, if that makes sense. This one is pretty clear-cut. Um, definitely for, you know, a, a younger audience. I would probably say teens, um, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't think really little ones would be able to get all of the all of the stuff that the show is talking about out of it, personally. Oh, fuck. Sorry. Oh, fuck. Really sleepy in the morning. I'm about halfway through the season right now, um, and it has a season two that's on the way, so that's very exciting. And it's just been... It's been a lot of fun. It has the it has that kind of like um, some of the the monsters are pretty terrifying. Uh, it's got a, a lot of jokes that I think are just really solid. Um, and then it is also much like um, what the fuck was it called? Shit. Much like um, Shira. Uh, it has a very strong um, LGBTQ. Uh, presence, which is which is excellent. Um, the creator of the show, I believe, has gone on record saying that um, Luz is uh, bisexual, and um, Amity is a lesbian. So that is is awesome. And apparently, they get together or something. I don't know. Um, I haven't gotten that far into it, but I'm definitely at that point of the season where you can tell that like there's a budding something going on, whether it's friendship or something more. We don't know. Um, but you get hints of, uh, Lou's sexuality, um, in episode eight, uh, when she kind of has a little bit of a crush on, uh, Amity's older sister. So, yeah. Um, 
It's it's all it's all very cute and very well animated, and the characters are very endearing. You kind of fall in love with them as soon as you see them. They're they're excellent, and uh, I enjoy it a lot. Disney has this weird habit though, where like they'll have shows with like really good strong potential, and for some reason they just get axed. Like Gravity Falls ended because Gravity Falls ended. Like Gravity Falls was over. It's two seasons. It's really tight and solid, and then it's over. And then you have Star vs. the Forces of Evil, which while it did technically end, it could have kept going, but then Disney said no. So, I'm not sure what that was all about. And now we have Owl House, which has a first season. It's getting a second season, but I'd be surprised if it get, went further than that. Disney kind of moves from show to show very quickly, um, which I think is unfortunate. Um, yeah, apparently the genre of the show is fantasy slash comedy horror. Uh, that sounds about right, personally. Um... The one thing I thought was a little interesting with this show was in the beginning, Luz has this choice of, like, going back home to, you know, her mom and, like, her life and shit, or staying in the Burning Isles, Boiling Isles, um, and becoming a witch's apprentice, and I'm kind of like, well, I mean, you stayed here because it's, it's interesting and it's exciting and it's, like, your books that you like, and now you have like friends here but you did also just kind of straight up abandon your mom and who knows how time works you could have been gone for years your mom could be dead and it's never brought up like ever um it's kind of kind of weird like you know so these shows always need to give a reason for why the kid like stays you know in the magic world and doesn't go back or whatever but with this one i'm like i don't think their reason for why lose stays is good enough quite frankly um she's just kind of like fuck it I, I was i was treated like a weirdo back there so i'm gonna stay here and be a cool person but what about your mom don't don't you miss her she probably misses you you have no idea so yeah that's that's strange, um, personally. I, I don't know. I, I feel like that would bother some people. But, yeah, outside of that, everything's fantastic. King is adorable, and I love him. Oh, I'm so fucking sleepy. I need to make some goddamn tea. I'd really recommend it. If you got, like, a fucking weekend to kill, and who doesn't nowadays, check out The Owl House. It's really fucking good. Next thing in the podcast. I'm just gonna tack on to the end of my, um, uh, Owl House discussion. Um, cause I, I thought there were some good points in there and I didn't want to like completely redo it. I have now since, uh, finished watching all of season one. Um, I, it's, it's 19 episodes long on Disney plus. Uh, it's excellent. It really is. It's the, the character development in the show is well earned and well done. I think every character in the show has incredible growth. Um, except maybe Gus, but that's because Gus is just kind of like a, a fun side character. Um, my favorite character is Amity, for fucking sure. There are, um, a, a grouping of episodes, uh, basically from like 16 to 18, um, that are fairly Amity heavy, that are excellent. Um, and she probably has the most interesting character arc in the whole show. She goes from the, the rival to the, uh... Act to the love interest of uh, of Luz. I don't think Luz um realizes that quite yet, but Amity sure fucking does, and it's fucking adorable, and I love it. Ida is just excellent. Show made me cry in the end. Um, absolutely sets up a season two. Um, I gotta like as strong as the show is, the finale was a little lackluster. Um, if I'm being perfectly honest, not in terms of like saving Ida or any of that stuff I thought that was excellent the the emperor um in his air quotes plan seemed a little uh not really out of note I mean it was out of nowhere because it wasn't we didn't meet the emperor until like the second to last episode and he's like supposed to be the big bad um it felt a little cliche if I'm honest like I like this show is really good I wouldn't say it's exactly original the characters are amazing and fun and the setting's really cool and i love the adventures that they go on and i love the uh the monster designs and so the jokes are really solid but 
Um, I see parallels uh, between this show and Disenchantment. I see parallels between this show and She-Ra in a big fucking way. There is so much She-Ra influence here. Like Willow and Glimmer are like one-to-one. Um, you've got the, the, the big bad being like the leader. Uh, and they want to invade other worlds. Just like fucking She-Ra. Um, you've got um, enemies... Uh, who were, um, well, I guess in She-Ra, they were friends and then became enemies, but there was still, like, love there. And then here, they were enemies and then became friends, and then there's love there. Um, and, and both the, uh, the main characters and their respective love interests are, um, uh, lesbian relationships. So, there's a lot of parallels there. They're both excellent shows. And actually, watching this show makes me want to go back and finish, um, She-Ra, which I never did. Um, because there, there's a lot of really strong parallels here but unlike um she-ra i mean you could even look at a like gus and Bo if you really wanted to draw even further parallels fairly similar in like character design in terms of personality they're pretty similar um i think owl house is funnier um more often than um she-ra is funny there's a bit in um and i think episode four uh, where Ida is like attracted to shiny things and that's why they call her the owl lady um, and then she turns into a giant horrific owl monster um, but yeah it's it's a really good show there's a couple of episodes in there where it's a little like ham-fisted with the lesson there's a couple of things where like Amity is supposedly the protege of Lilith for the Emperor's Coven but we never see the two of them interact after that episode ever again so I'm just kind of like, that seemed like something that was, that made sense in the story, but they didn't really explore that as a theme, which I guess is okay. King is called the King of Demons, but we never ever get into his backstory like at all. He's just there to be adorable, which is great. Um, yeah, like the, the, the dropping of hints about like loses sexuality, um, is is really well done amity's evolution from being a bully to being a friend to being a love interest is really well done there's a scene where they like um it's the it's the one with the with the grom which i believe yeah enchanting grom fight episode 16 um is really good because like that's the the heaviest um lose uh amity episode except for episode 18 where amity absolutely has a crush on lose and doesn't know how to handle it um and she's just fucking adorable the entire time but they have this dance fight at the end of 16. And that's another great thing about the show is that the fight scenes, the choreography is really fucking good. End of episode 16, um, when Lilith captures Luz um, in the in the two-parter finale, and Owl Lady fucking shows up and just starts wrecking shop Dragon Ball Z style. It's fucking awesome. It's so well done and it's super good. So Owl House gets my full recommendation. If you have Disney Plus, you gotta see this show. It's just a ton of fun. The humor's really dry. The characters are really adorable. The The setting's really cool. The Boiling Isles is the body of a fallen titan. It's just, uh, it's fucking sweet. Big, big, big fan. I haven't liked a show this much in, in quite some time. And now I have to suffer with everybody else because season two isn't gonna happen. The Owl House season two release date. January of next year. Of course, that's, like, on live TV, so I'm not going to be able to watch this until, like, November of next year. Uh, mm, I want more. I want more of your amazing show. Who made this? Dana Terrace. Um, storyboarding on Gravity Falls and directing the reboot of DuckTales. I, um, I believe that. Oh! Wait, yeah. Their, their partner is Alex Hirsch from Gravity Falls. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. I love that. That makes so much sense. There's so much Gravity Falls, like, in here. Um, also, like, fucking Hootie is the best. And I love Hootie. And, yes, there. I'm, I'm declaring my Hootie allegiance. Um, this is the type of show... I have, the like, the, the love of this show to the point where, like, Owl House Merch... What do we got? If I could get like fucking hoodie socks, oh, you can get you can get the Owl House Owlbert staff head for thirty dollars on Amazon. It's just a fucking 
big piece of something. What is this? Fits on a standard one-inch dowel made of plastic. So it's a, it's a 3D printed owl head. That's kind of fun. That's kind of fun. I might be looking at merch. I want hoodie socks. That's what I want. That's what... Oh, there's a Disney Channel fan shop for the Owl House. What do you got? Got some t-shirts. Those are pretty good. Oh, there's a hoodie pop socket. Shit. I need a pop socket for my phone. It might be hoodie. Hoot hoot. <laughs> fucking hoodie's the best. Oh, man. They've got hoodie everything. Look how much fucking shit they got hoodie, hoodie on here. Oh, man. Witch in training. Trembled before me. Yeah, they got hoodie pop sockets. I might have to get a hoodie pop socket. I think we found it. I think we found the bit of merch. I'm gonna get a fucking hoodie pop socket for my phone. Oh, it's so fucking good. Oh, it's so good. All right, yeah, we'll get a hoodie pop socket. That's fucking awesome, and it makes perfect. Oh, that's so fitting for a phone. Yeah, go watch Owl House, please. It's, it's really good. I almost want to rewatch it. Amity is the fucking best. And I think that'll do it for this week's episode of the Going Up cast. No short stories this week because it was plenty long enough without it. Um, and I wanted to get you know, kind of back in the, the smooth uh, like swing of things. Um, yeah, I hope you're all doing, doing well out there and uh, staying safe. COVID's still a problem. And um, yeah, I'll, I will see you all next week for more fucking going up cast and uh, all this week with more inheritance chapters. Have a good one, everyone.